Well, hi, this is Pastor Mitch Horton with the Victory Church Weekly Podcasts. I've been pastor here at Victory Church since 1994, and I've been teaching and preaching God's Word for over 42 years. In my podcast, I want to take time to share biblical concepts with you, breaking them down in a way that's meaningful, easy to understand, and will help create a strong foundation for your spiritual growth. I want to see you grow closer to God, and I firmly believe that if you'll take the principles I teach and apply them to your life, that you'll start to see God moving in your life like never before. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Well, it's an exciting day to be alive, and I am glad to be with you on our Victory Church weekly podcast. Pastor Mitch here, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about an exciting subject today. I have 13 pages of notes in front of me. I'm not sure we're going to cover all 13, but we're going to make it. We're going to hit it hard. How about that? Hey, look, I'd uh, love, uh, love to hear from you. I'd like to know uh, uh, any questions you may have, any observations you have, and if the podcasts are helping you, uh, you know, whatever apparatus you're listening to this on, uh, click the like, uh, share it with your friends, and you can also email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. Would really love to hear from you and uh, as, as we share the truths of God's Word. You know, my, uh, my calling is a pastor and also teacher, and I don't have the privilege of, of, of ministering on just my favorite subjects. I have to minister and preach the whole counsel of God, as the Scripture says, so I cover lots of different subjects. Today, the subject is... Uh, the subject is um, uh, eternal judgments and the future life and uh, things to consider about our immediate future in the light of Jesus returning. So let's get right to it. You know, I've got in my notes here, and I'm just going to go right down my notes and see how this comes out today. Uh, the statistics are that less than 6% of Christians, listen to this, listen. Less than 6% of Christians have a biblical worldview. That is a worldview and, and the view of how the world is, what the future would look like based on what the Bible says. Less than 6% of Christians have a biblical worldview. That's the reason I feel a huge responsibility to teach clearly what the Bible says about life in general and the future. So it says a lot. So Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, we're going to get right into it. Hey, uh, we're going we to talk fast, so listen fast today. How's that? Uh, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now, see, one of the major doctrines of Scripture is eternal judgment. So let's look at that for a few minutes here. Sin will be judged on every level. Now that's clear in the scriptures. Uh, each individual will be judged. That's the reason we preach the gospel, which is good news, that you don't have to die and face judgment. But if we don't deal with ourselves, then God has no recourse but to deal with us. Our present American culture, listen, resists any idea of future judgment. The mindset in America right now is regardless of who you are, what you do, how you live, 
because of God's love, we're going to heaven. You hear it in our music. You hear it even in uh, some of the songs we sing in the underlying, in churches I'm talking about. The underlying tone is God is full of grace, mercy, and love, and he is, and he has great compassion. But my friend, his compassion is based on the shed blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary, giving his life, uh, dying in our place, uh, facing the judgment that we should face because of sin. Here's the skinny. God is completely pristine holy. That means the word holy means set apart. God is so different than all of creation. He will not allow corruption of any kind on any level in his presence or in heaven. You can't go there with a corrupt heart or corrupt ways. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And the grace of God can cleanse our sins. And my friend, we all need to avail ourselves of the blood of Jesus and, and keep short accounts with God. Every day I search my heart and say, search me, O God, know my heart. Test me, know my thoughts, and if I ever think, say, or act in a way that I know is wrong and sinful, the moment I do it, I say, Father, I confess this. Confess means to agree with God about what you did, that it is wrong. I say, Father, here's what happened. Here's what I thought. Here's what I said. Here's what I did. And I ask you to forgive me. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right now, I, I judge that. I say that it's wrong. 1 Corinthians 11, 31, 2 says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So how do you judge yourself? 1 John. 1, 9. Confess your sin. Uh, agree with that with, with God that what you said, did, thought, etc. is wrong, and he will forgive you. He will cleanse you. Keep short accounts. And see, because Jesus took our just our judgment, our just judgment, because we were born as sinners, all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standards. And because Jesus became our sin, our judgment, him who knew no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 was made to be a sin sacrifice for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him or be made right with God through what he did, right? So Hebrews 9.27, and just as each person, listen, is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. Verse 28, so also Christ was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus is coming back, and the whole world's going to be put right side up instead of being topsy-turvy upside down like it's been ever since Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, sinned against God and allowed God's arch enemy Satan to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. So again, judgment is part of the scriptures, the doctrine of eternal judgment, and that has to do with end time things, the time just before Jesus comes back, that judgment starts with individual judgment. All of us individually will one day stand before Jesus and give account. And that's the reason, thank God, we can trust the word of God that Jesus took our 
judgment. Believers, see, the world will be judged for sin. Believers will be judged or rewarded for what we do in our bodies post-salvation. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.10, Amplified Bible. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he's achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. So see, believers, we believers, even, even, even though we're not judged for our sins, we're going to be judged or rewarded. The Greek word for judgment is bema, B-E-M-A, and it means, uh, it means the, the, the judge that is looking over Olympic games and scrutinizing the behavior of every athlete to determine which one wins the race. That's the Bema judgment. It's not a, a judgment of sin. It's a judgment to determine reward. So again, even though we're free from judgment of sin, when we stand before Jesus, he's going to talk to us about how we lived our life. And boy, don't we want to give our best shot right now? Sure we do. Nations and individuals will be judged. Nations will be judged. People don't realize these things. This is part of the biblical worldview. Matthew 25, 31 through 33. Listen to this. When the Son of Man, Jesus said, comes in his glory and all of his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Verse 32, Matthew 25, all the nations will, listen, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. So here, you know what that verse just said? There are sheep nations and there are goat nations. That means Nations are going to be judged as to what they did with Jesus Christ, and and really what they did with um, uh, what they did with uh, with Israel. Our treatment of Israel determines whether or not uh, a nation will exist in the millennial reign of Christ and on into the future. God has given us so much in America, right? And to whom much is given, much is required. And listen, I'll just talk about the judgment of nations. So America is going to be judged as will all of the, all of the nations of the earth uh, when Jesus returns to determine whether or not, let me say it again, whether or not they will be a nation in the, in the 1,000 year reign of Jesus when he comes back. This is a biblical worldview. Now there are those with loud voices in the media today and online that want you to believe that America has rejected its Christian roots. And you know, you see that everywhere. I think the voices that are the loudest are the ones who are not for God. They're for the one world ideology and such. They're for immorality and gross behaviors that the Bible uh, rejects, that God's holiness rejects. But again, uh, there's a lot of people think, saying that we have left our Christian roots. I say there's a lot of people who have it, but they're mighty silent about what they think and believe. If we stay silent and uh, and let them and, and let this lie just remain, then you know what? America will be judged if we stay. And I believe that on our current course, some believe that we're now under judgment. We may be, listen, we have killed 64 million babies in, in, babies in, our, in our culture since, since abortion was, uh, was legalized in 1973. You know what the bottom line of that is? Immorality. 
You shouldn't be having sex with somebody unless you're married with them. If you're going to have sex, take the responsibility and let the child come to birth that was uh, formed by that sexual union. And again, that sexual union, by God's design, should be in the confines of marriage. That's the reason that we're having such terrible trouble today worldwide. Again, 64 million babies. God loves children. One of the things that God hates in Proverbs chapter 6 is our hands that shed innocent blood. That little baby doesn't have even a chance to come to life because of hands that has shed its blood. That's, my friends, that's murder. That's abortion. We're responsible as in America for that. Our public schools were grooming our children to be sexually immoral. Marriage is no longer a given. And the original design of marriage is perverted to include same-sex marriage. You know why? I believe, I agree with those that say uh, what we're doing in our public policy is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. So again, nations will be judged. You know, we started a prayer meeting November of 2022 here at Victory Church. Now we pray on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're praying for another great awakening in this nation because I don't think there's any chance that we survive even the next election that's coming up this year unless we get on our face and cry out to God for a move of the Spirit of God. It's not politics and politicians. Uh, that are that's going to win this nation and and salvage it. It's only be going to be the grace and mercy of God that's based on a wide sweeping revival, a great awakening like we've had two in our past um, uh, in the history of our nation, something that grabs people's hearts and changes how they think about life. So again, individuals will be judged, nations will be judged. Listen, Satan and the Antichrist will be judged. Yeah, that one world government will come to pass because the Bible says it will. But see, even in the middle of that, you got to know all of this stuff that's happening will be judged when Jesus returns. Revelation 20.10, then the devil who had deceived them, who was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, 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 now what do we surmise from that? Don't take sin lightly. Deal with it quickly, as I said earlier. Satan will gain a toehold in your life. Listen, if you do not deal quickly with the sin in your life. You know, I have the unfortunate experience as a pastor, and I've just recently done this, of sitting with people who have made wrong choices, wrong decisions, and demon spirits have deceived them, and they're walking in a state of delusion. Delusional thinking is you know what is right, but you refuse to believe it or do it. And I am watching more and more people do that. If that's you, you can get on your knees and cry out and ask God to forgive you and cleanse you. Ask him to open your eyes. If you don't feel right about how you're living your life and what you're doing and how things are, fall on your face and God and say, God, show me myself. The last person that sees us as we really are is ourselves. Other people can see, and many times we can't see what other people see. And then God sees what other people will, will never see about us. And then God sees us as we really are. So friends, we need absolutely to deal with, with ourselves and understand these things. Satan and the Antichrist will be judged. Listen, we're living in a... In a uh, in an in-between age, I have called that, uh, between the age of grace and the age of divine 
judgment. We're right in the middle. We're right on the edge of the age of divine judgment. In fact, it feels and seems like as though the judgments are beginning now. Nature is becoming chaotic and haywire. And that is part of the judgments that are coming because of the iniquity and sin of the human race. So because of us living this in-between time, so, so just want to know in the future, it's going to feel a bit awkward as it does right now. It's just going to, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. And it's going to be strange uh, if you compare where we are and where we're going with the previous years of life. You know, pre-2020, pre-COVID-19 and all that, uh, life was a certain way. Post-COVID-19, life is not the same. And you have to admit that if you're a realist. Well, I don't see it getting back to normal. No, Jesus is coming back. We need to know that. Here are, now, now we'll see how far we get in this. If I don't get through today, we'll, uh, we'll move on the, to the next podcast and catch up there. Seven things to consider about life today and in our immediate future. We're talking about what the world is going to look like in our future just before Jesus returns. Number one, here's seven things to consider. The first thing we consider before we even get into all this, the only unchangeable thing is the Word of God. In all the world, the only thing that is not changing is the Word of God. So I know that to be true. I've lived my life based on God's Word. Not perfectly, but when I miss it, I, I fess up, confess my sin, and keep moving. Listen, the, you spend more time. I, I, this is important. Spend more time in the Word than you do on in news, social media, uh, and all of that, uh, because the Word of God is the only thing that I know in life that can bring stability. Listen again to Isaiah 33, 6. I share the scripture a lot. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. What is wisdom and knowledge? Wisdom of no and knowledge is the Word of God. The Word of God will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is His treasure. So God treasures it when we honor Him, when we love Him, because it gives Him permission to move in our lives and keep us away from the cursed things that are seeking to wreck human life. And we live in the blessings of God instead of the curse that came on because of the fall. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse and that the word of God will bring stability and will keep us away from the cursed things. It's the strength of salvation. So again, instead of being guided by circumstances, by feelings, by thoughts, we make a decision to let the Word of God guide our lives every single day. See, this gives great personal confidence as the world continues to unravel, right? Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The Bible says, Psalm 119, every, uh, 89, I meditate this verse almost every day. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Some other translations bear, forever, O Lord, your word is established and settled in the heavenlies. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever in uh, and, and so nature goes through changes, and it says God never 
changes. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See, the word of God, it always comes to pass. I base my life on the word. I'm going to make it through thick and thin and whatever the enemy has uh, cooked up to mar my life in any way. Smith Wigglesworth, the noted English evangelist, uh, quoted about the word, and I love this. He said, read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, pass it on. The word of God changes a man until he becomes an epistle of God. You want me to read that again? I love it. Smith Wigglesworth, read it through about the Word of God. Read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, pass it on. The Word of God changes a person until he becomes an epistle of God. So read it, memorize it, meditate it, believe it, work it in, walk it out. I like it. Turn off the social media. You know, I, I look at all that some, I look at the news some, Eclect, eclectically I get information from all kinds of sources because, because there is a great deception today and you can't believe a lot of what you hear. So you have to listen and let the Holy Spirit weed out the faults from the true. So again, uh, the social media, news, etc., they have become mechanisms of controlling a culture. I hope you can see that. But thank God we walk in the light of the Word of God. We're not walking in darkness. And Jesus said, in, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. If I line my life up with Jesus and the Word, I got the Word inside of me, then I'm hearing things from all kinds of sources and the Holy Spirit is able to take what you hear, tag it, say yes, no, yes, no, false, true, whatever. And you know what? You learn to live that way. We certainly need to live that way today. And so again, uh, the first point here, seven things to consider about life today and in our immediate future. The only unchangeable thing is the Word of God. The second thing to know is great pressure is here to stay. Things, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, sadly, I'm a very positive person, but the Bible declares we get to a certain juncture in this, uh, in this uh, place of, of Jesus returning, and things are going to get progressively worse. Life will, will seem like it's in a downward spiral. Just listen to what, so you don't have to be upset about it. We're forewarned so we can be forearmed, right? So Luke 21, 8 through 13 uh, Jesus replied, don't let anyone mislead you when the disciples ask him what life before he returns, just before he returns would be like, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and saying the time has come, uh, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Luke 21, 10, then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miracles and signs from heaven. Verse 12, Luke 21, but before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity 
to tell them about me. So you know what Jesus said? It's just going to get worse and you're going to get persecuted. But so what should be our take on that? Well, every time somebody disagrees with us or every time we get arrested, whatever, that seems really crazy and strange in American culture because we've had such freedoms, but our freedoms are eroding. He said when these kind of things happen and you're challenged because you're a believer, use it as an opportunity to share Jesus with them and share what the light of the world has done to, to, to turn Turn the darkness in your life into light and to transform your life. Luke 21, Jesus said this, 14 through 19. This is New Living Translation. Don't worry in advance. He's talking about the day just before he comes. Don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you. Luke 21, 15. For I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents, man, that's great, will be able to reply or refute you. Then he said this, Luke 21, 16, even those closest to you, listen, your parents, your brothers, your relatives, your friends will betray you. Wow. He, then he went further. They will even kill some of you and everyone, uh, everyone will hate you because you're my followers. Verse 18, Luke, 20, Luke 21, but none of your, not a hair on your head will perish by standing firm. You'll win your soul. So he said, life is going to get chaotic and tough, and it's going to pit one person against another. Even people that know you will reject what you who you are because of what you believe. See, we've got to be willing. And so my encouragement Plan on it now. Prepare for it now. Get yourself built up in the Word of God. Uh, cause your, your biblical worldview to rise to the top so you won't be surprised when these things happen. Luke 21, 25. This is the Amplified New Testament. Jesus said this about the time just before he returns. He says, uh, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and upon the earth. There will be distress, trouble, anguish of nations in bewilderment and perplexity without resources left wanting embarrassed in doubt, not knowing which way to turn at the roaring, the echo of the tossing of the sea, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things that are coming on the world for the very powers of the heavens will be shaken and caused to totter. And, and then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with great transcendent and overwhelming power and all of his kingly glory, majesty, and splendor. Now, when these things begin to occur, Jesus said, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption or your deliverance is drawing near. So although things get tough, God never changes. Jesus never changes. He always answers prayer. Learn to pray and expect God to answer. Again, let me remind you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. He says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That means in every juncture of life and every single thing we deal with, seek God, ask for his wisdom, and then listen to the Holy Spirit as he prompts scripture to you, as he gives direction, as thoughts from the inside bubble up, so to speak, and, and bring light on the current situation you're dealing with. You may find you 
you need to you need to back up on some friendships with people who compromise. You may find you may need to deal uh, do something differently with your finances and how you deal with them on a daily basis. You may find that uh, he's leading you to do all sorts of things that you may not have considered yet. And so again, when we trust in the Lord. With all of our heart, he's promised that he would guide us, direct us, and lead us and help us. Matthew 6, 33, let me remind you. Uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then Jesus said, verse 34, Matthew 6, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. And that includes the tomorrow of us who look like we're going into this time period just prior to Jesus' return, a time period of judgment. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So again, um, uh, so, so seven things to consider about life today and in our immediate future. The on, only unchangeable thing is the Word of God. Secondly, great pressure is here to stay. Thirdly, sin will become the normal in society while godly living will be set aside. Now, you know, we have, we're seeing that happen right now. And uh, listen to what Jesus, he said it would be like it was in the days of Noah. Luke 17, 26, 27. Now I've got a little caveat here that I need to mention, but just listen a minute. Luke 17, 26, 27, New Living Translation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. See, these people were not aware of what was coming. They were just living life like normal. And uh, they had no expectation that a crisis was looming. And, uh, you know, most people will have no idea what is coming before Jesus returns. And that's why we're here to warn them. Don't, this is not a day to follow the crowd. This is a day to back up and follow Jesus, regardless of what the people around you say, regardless of what the woke people that work with you say. Listen, it's time to walk with God. Another thing that, uh, now I'm not going to go far. It would take me a long time to develop this theme. So let me see if I can say it uh, succinctly, concisely, and then maybe come back at another time and deal with it. Jesus said, it will be like it was in Noah's day when he returned. Now, there's a little underlying thing there that I want you, that most people are not aware of. And, you know, I've been to three Bible schools and have studied this out a good bit. So hear me out on this. Most people are not aware. Most people think that God saved Noah and his family because they were just good people. Well, they were good people. But there was an underlying factor in God saving Noah and, um, and his family. And the issue was, if you go back and read Genesis 6, it says the sons of God uh, were immoral with women. That is, angels um, uh, committed acts of immorality with women. Yes, is that possible? Oddly, obviously so. The Bible says so. These angels... Um, uh, committed sexual acts with women and their offspring uh, became really strange giants. And I, I want to go there, but I don't have time except I want to bring out this point. What did that do and why was Noah, why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord among all the thousands and thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in the earth during his time? 
Why was Noah's family alone uh, uh, segregated and saved on the ark? I want to submit to you, it is because their blood was not tainted with a DNA that did not come from original creation. Let me say it again. The reason, and I've heard this a lot, the reason that Noah and his family were saved is because they had untainted DNA in their human body. They were humans 1.0. And when Satan come and he caused these, de- these, these fallen angels to have sex with women and created these giants, that's human 2.0. Another underlying thing that Jesus may be saying when he said, uh, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when I return, could be that this phenomenon is occurring where the DNA structure of humanity, listen, is changed. And instead of being human 1.0, it's human maybe 2 or 3.0. That is something may be coming to change the DNA structure of humanity. Why is that important? Uh, God will not in allow impurity to enter heaven. And I can't go far on this. I have a lot to say. Maybe we'll do it another podcast. But listen to me. The giants, the offspring of angels and women, these giants, that there's six or seven names for them in the Old Testament. Uh, they have no resurrection, the scripture says. Now, what does that mean? That means They were such an aberrant creation. They were so distorted from God's original design that he won't even allow their bodies to be resurrected. What people don't know about the doctrine of the resurrection is both the unsaved and the saved will live for eternity in human bodies that are resurrected. The unsaved actually is called the resurrection of the unrighteous. Go back to John chapter 5, start with verse 25. Uh, Go back to Revelation 20, verse 11. Uh, the, The unsaved stand before God in their unglorified bodies that are resurrected in corruption, all right? But but the righteous, thank God, at the rapture of the church, we get a glorified body that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. But you see, both the saved and unsaved, their bodies resurrect, but not not this aberrant creation, this human 2.0 created because of the offspring between uh, giants, I mean, mean, between angels and humans, uh, angels and women. So again, uh, there may be an underlying factor here that in the time just before Jesus comes back, these demonic creatures, what is it, Revelation 9 or so, says that the, uh, the spirits are coming out of the abyss right now. The angels that fell according to Second Peter and the book of Jude, the angels that sinned are in chains awaiting judgment. They're going to be let loose from their chains. They're going to come back and perhaps do what they did during Noah's day and create a, another level of humanity. Another thing, so, so again, uh, there's all kinds of weirdness going on now with people saying they've seen alien creatures and there's, you know, spacecraft that seem really strange and orbs and triangles floating through the sky. There's a big phenomenon. Uh, I think there's been uh, congressional hearings about that of recent. Why is all that happening? Those Listen, anytime you hear any of that, that is demon spirits or fallen angels manifesting as aliens. No, no, nothing is over the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of all principality and power, might, dominion in this world and the world to come. And any entity 
that seeks to uh, do anything has to be subject to Jesus. These are demon spirits or fallen angels. Just be aware, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus returns. So just be aware of that. We'll come back and maybe examine that subject more thoroughly in another day. But boy, that makes your wheels turn, right? So just I just wanted to say that because there's so much of this stuff in media, in, in, uh, in, in all sorts of ways online. And attention is being paid to it, and, and I think the reason is is because these demonic entities are going to seek to uh, deceive the whole world. I have so much to say. Let me also say about the DNA contamination. I am I absolutely will not put a shot in my human body if it's going to change my DNA structure. I won't do it. I refuse it. No way. No way. No way. Uh, so I encourage you to think about all that, and I could go into the weeds on it. I don't have time. So listen, we'll come back to it. Ask me questions, and I'll answer them. Uh, it will be like it was in the days of Lot, Jesus said, Luke 17, 28 through 30. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating, drinking, buying, selling, farming, building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. The fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So again, people will not be aware. That's the idea. They won't be aware that things are changing around them when they are changing. As in Lot's time, all morals are acceptable today. Homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, uh, binary sexuality are accepted as an alternative to heterosexual relationships and marriage. And this is being taught in public education to young children. In my view, that, my friend, is child abuse. It's a good thing that people are raising up and resisting uh, res rising up to the you know the moral decay that's being presented to our children, people are beginning to uh, to rise up and say things about it in some circles, and we all need to uh, boycott with your money places that are sp spreading family destroying ideals. Let me say it again: boycott with your money places that are spreading family destroying ideals. If you can take your children out of the public school system, it's a sewer at this point in what they teach and are teaching children. If you can homeschool your children or put them in a Christian school, we just started childcare. I know here at Victory Church, it's going to evolve into a school, but it just takes time for all that to develop and work working towards that end. But I tell you, if you can, Susan and I put all of our children in Christian school, not because they're perfect. No, they were most imperfect, but they didn't teach the ideology and didn't have the sway from the top down that the public school system has now. We still had to be Christian parents. We still had to discipline our children. Our children still saw, saw things with other children that, that I wish they hadn't seen. But you see, that's where parents come in. And friends, that's where you need to come in. So again, we, uh, we, we, we need to be aware of these things. Uh, again, behind all of this is the Antichrist spirit that is rising up on earth, seeking to remove the, uh, from the world any Judeo-Christian moral ethics. And again, what is the goal behind all this thing, stuff we're seeing today? The goal is to sanitize the world of Christian moral beliefs. And this, see, when you believe what the Bible says, that in and of itself creates 
persecution because the tide of the current system of the world is going towards the Antichrist immorality and lawlessness. And you know what? God is all about the Ten Commandments. Now, we don't uh, obey, we, we don't live by the law, the letter of the law as believers. Jesus, Romans 2.24, he's, he's placed the law of God in our hearts in the new birth. We don't have to go, well, did I do number one of the Ten Commandments? Did I do number three or number seven? Or did I violate them? No, we have the law of God in our hearts. And when we do wrong, we know it intuitively because the Holy Spirit's in our human spirit and we've been born again. So again, wow, uh, so many things are going to be changing. Jesus said it's going to be like the day as it was in the days of Noah. It's going to be like it was in Lot's day. And again, um, let me, uh, let me go here. Luke 17, 28, people went about their daily lives, business, eating, drinking, buying, selling, farming, building until the morning lot left Sodom. The fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up until the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So let me see as we conclude today. We'll come back uh, next time and cover these other points uh, from Daniel. Now listen to this. Let me see if I can cover this in the next couple of minutes. Uh, the things that are to come. This is the time frame. This is a concept of how we know what's coming Um 2,500 plus years ago, God spoke to the prophet Daniel and gave him 490 um, years of Israel's future. Uh, uh, and from Daniel 9, we learn that there are seven years of that 490 uh, years of time uh, when God deals with Israel that are not yet fulfilled. That 490 years are uh, uh, God showed Daniel what, what's going to happen with Israel. Seven, 483 of those years are fulfilled. And then 483 plus seven is 490. So um, there's seven years of God dealing with the Israelites that is not yet fulfilled. And um, an undetermined amount of time, right now it's been around 2,000 years or so, um, uh, since God really really dealt with the Jewish race. They've been in unbelief all these years. We do have Messianic Jews, but by and large, they've rejected Jesus' Messiahship. But God's beginning to begin to deal with them again just before Jesus returns. And that's what the seven years we typically call the seven years of tribulation is, is all about. Uh, that time period, according to Daniel uh, 9.27, is going to start with uh, a, some kind of a treaty between Israel and its neighbors there in the Middle East, and uh, during that, and so that seven year starts with some kind of, of treaty, some kind of agreement. The Hebrew word there's, you know, you can get all kinds of English words: treaty, agreement, uh, peace treaty. Some people call. We don't really know what it's going to be. I'm trusting that when I don't know that it's happened yet, but I think it's close. Uh, some people think perhaps the Abraham Accords that Trump um, envisioned and, and set forth. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Maybe so. But I just know that I think that once it happens, it'll be a pseudo agree a peace agreement, and it'll look like things are going great, but it'll turn haywire very rapidly during this seven years of time that the Bible talks about, uh, war, inflation, famine, death, martyrdom, solar disturbances are all a part of this time, a one world 
uh, government will be enforced. A Jewish temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. The world leader called Antichrist during the seven-year period will, uh, will rise up. And eventually, three and a half years into it, will violate the rebuilt Jewish temple and break his agreement with Israel. And then that will uh, begin a time of tremendous persecution of Christians and Jews. And it's it's probably the persecution that we're going to do in the future is probably based on our moral stance against sexual sin. Just be aware of that. So again, uh, several years into this seven-year period, the wrath of God begins. It looks like to me in my research, and I'm giving you a big overview, probably um, up to four or five years or so into this period, the wrath of God. Some people call this whole seven years the wrath of God. No, the first part of it is the wrath of the Antichrist as he begins to persecute more and more Christians and Jews. But And, and so the whole, whole seven-year period is not the wrath of God. First part of it is the wrath of Antichrist, but the wrath of God falls, but it falls towards the end of this seven-year period, and, and it's called the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord begins in Revelation chapter 8 when the trumpet judgments begin and the Antichrist uh, is in full force during that this time. This is this is the beginning of the wrath of God. So again, Revelation eight. You got uh, you got um, uh, you've got seals on the scroll in God's right hand. All of those seals are broken. The sixth seal, the sun, moon, and stars darken. And then uh, Jesus talked about this in Matthew twenty four twenty nine through thirty one. And when the sun, moon, and stars darken, as Jesus breaks the seals on the scroll in God's right hand, go read Revelation 4 and 5. And then Revelation 6 talks about the seals being broken. And that sixth seal is the sun, moon, and stars losing their luster, losing their light. The sun's not bright. And the stars are darkened. The moon is darkened because the sun is darkened. The moon gets its reflect. It's just reflection of the sun. So, uh, the Bible declares that that is a warning that and an alert to believers that Jesus is about to rapture us away. He said, "The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and then you'll see the sign of the Son of Man coming in power." and great glory. Go back and read Matthew 24. It's very clear. So we call this a pre-wrath rapture of the church. God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain mercy uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So again, we leave in the rapture of the church, six seals on the scroll in God's hand. That scroll is God's title deed to planet earth. And that scroll, when it's unrolled, is the instructions of what Jesus will do uh, to rid the Antichrist of his power, the false prophet that supports him of his power, and how Jesus will conquer all of the demonic forces, the fallen angels, the Antichrist, and Satan himself, and throw them all into the bottomless pit. I'll throw them all into hell. And then Jesus reclaims the earth. That's what the book of Revelation, my friends, is all about. He comes out back and sets up a 1,000 year rule. So again, the rapture of the church occurs. And then once that happens with the sixth seal breaking in Revelation 6, 12 through what, 18 or so, 
Then Revelation 8, 1, there's silence in heaven for 30 minutes. The angels fold the rings and get quiet. And then the prayers of the saints from all ages waft up before God as incense for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done. And then the trumpet judgments occur beginning with Revelation chapter 8. And they start with, listen, with me, looks like meteorites hitting the earth, polluting the fresh water, the salt water, destroying ships, wrecking havoc, creating mass mayhem. Uh, the, it creates uh, such um, disheveling of the earth that uh, nature becomes quite chaotic, uh, burns up a lot of the greenery, the, uh, the uh, things that we need to sustain life, just really makes earth hell on wheels. That is the wrath of God. You won't be here for that. Let me end with this. This is all really strange. i got so much to say. We'll start this back next time. Thomas Horn, who went to be with Jesus back October of 2023, uh, had a dream. He was a man prone to uh, very specific prophetic dreams that always came to pass, and he had one in 2019. He's got a book. You may want to go read it. It's entitled The Wormwood Prophecy. He's got another one called The Messenger that are based on the vivid, vivid prophetic dream that God gave a man called Thomas Horn. And uh, Thomas Horn saw in the dream a meteorite hitting off the coast of California between Mexico and California, wrecking havoc on the earth, and, uh, and, and he got the name of an asteroid that was going to hit the earth, and it was Apophis. And it so startled him that when he woke up, um, uh, he began to do some research, called some friends that he knew that worked at NASA, and they knew some friends that were mathematicians working for other companies. And, and he found out that in, two, listen to this, in 2004, NASA actually found a meteorite hurtling toward the earth, uh, with the mass, the weight, uh, and then the trajectory and speed as they did their calculations. Uh, it's, it's subject to hit the earth, and it's in a trajectory and a path to hit the earth. And here's what he said. You can go read it yourself. April 13th, 2029. Now, and I'm not basing my life on that, but it's really interesting and uncanny that he had that dream in 2019. And when you read the Bible and read uh, the trumpet judgments and the meteorites that look like they fall, it's a hand-in-club fit to what's going to be happening and even the timelines of when it will happen. We could be easily and quickly going into this time the Bible that people call the tribulation, which is Daniel's 70th week. And if that's the case, we may have four or five years. And if that's the case, five years from now is 2029. And April 13th, 2029, this rock is, uh, uh, the scientists are saying it could easily hit the earth. They are saying that there is a chance that the, uh, uh, that, that the, um, the pull of, of the moon or whatever could take it off of its path to directly hit the earth, swing it back out into the stellar heavens, but it comes back uh, seven years later. 
and and comes and they they say it's on a trajectory to hit the earth. Go read the book. I don't have time to talk about it in detail. The Wormwood Prophecy, The Messenger by Thomas Horn. So anyway, I'm just saying that even science is beginning to wake up to the fact that these things so there's some erratic things occurring. Uh, Thomas Horn also said in his research he found out that by 2025 telescopes will be able to pick up this rock named Apophis. Apophis is the Egyptian god, I think, of destruction. And um, uh, anyway, that's what it was named by NASA back in 2024. They, try, they pr tried to hide this thing for years and years, and now it's getting so close that they can't hide it. People are going to be able to see it with uh, high-powered telescopes. And then eventually, uh, I think he said by 2027, 2028, it'll be able to be seen with a naked eye. So all that's really interesting to me as you read the Bible and the things that Jesus said would be coming on the earth. Don't let this stuff freak you out and spook you. Jesus has got us in the palm of his hand. We're going to be okay. Sure, there's wars, rumors of wars, there's inflation, there's recession, there's all kind of mess going on, there's immorality galore, but you know what? If we'll walk with God, seek first the kingdom of God and let the word of God be the stabilizing effect in our life, we're going to be okay through all of this, and at some point in all of this, gravity loses its effect, the corporeal substance of our human bodies change, and we get glorified bodies as we go up to be with Jesus, and then we come back and rule with him for a thousand years. How in the world can you not be excited about a future like that. I have nothing to lose. I have everything to gain by walking with God. Lord, I pray for every person that listens to this podcast today that they really do seek first the kingdom of God and let the Spirit of God work deeply in them. Lord, help us to, to maintain, obtain and maintain a, a, a Christian worldview about what is going on and where we're going. I pray for every person listening that we would let our light shine, we would be bold witnesses for Jesus, that we would keep our children close and, and would have the boldness to say what we believe regardless of anyone that would want to refute the word of God that comes out of our mouth. Lord, thank you for your sovereign protection upon us and thank you for your watchfulness and your care in Jesus' name. Friend, I'm excited about what Jesus is doing, aren't you? Uh, we'll talk about this again next time. You go have a great week this week. God bless you. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope it blesses you spiritually and helps you grow closer to God. Before you go, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Um, those simple steps go a long way to helping us reach new listeners that need to hear these messages. Also, I would love for you to reach out to me with any questions or comments you have about the topics I discuss. My email is pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com and it's in the show notes uh, there on the screen you have. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.